What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Sleep Dog, alongside the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? I uh, got a great pod for you guys tonight. Really looking forward to this. A lot of drama. We are fresh off of uh, just absolute beatdown in the national championship last night. Uh, we're fresh off of some just certified psycho behavior on The Bachelor. And uh, the other thing we have, though, is we are fresh off the debut of the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO. So here's here's how we're coming at this night. We watched like split time between the national championship and The Bachelor last night. I didn't finish The Bachelor. Tyler did. Um he didn't finish the Tiger Woods documentary, and I did. Uh, and then everybody saw what happened to Ohio State, which couldn't happen to some nicer guys. So um, we'll start, I think, with the uh, Tiger Woods documentary, man, because I watched it start to finish, and it's pretty cool. I would agree. Um I don't think anybody's done more for a sport. Uh, maybe you could say Lance Armstrong and cycling. Um, for golf, you know, you talk about sport-wise, and I was thinking about this as a documentary happened. Uh, not, I mean, when you talk about sports, Michael Jordan, basketball, but you could say Larry Bird and Magic Johnson made basketball. Then you look at other sports. Lance Armstrong uh, revolutionized cycling and brought a huge audience that never watched it. And then I think Tiger did that with golf. Tiger has uh, made golf uh, fun for the young crowd and a lot of people that would never watch golf and also um, – you know, being a African-American golfer, I think, is, uh, you know, big time for the stage that he made and kind of uh, what he's done uh, there. Yeah, and it was really cool. So this isn't really giving anything away <clears throat> in the documentary itself. If you um, if you haven't seen it, there's no real spoiler alerts here. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, basically the, the fascinating part is like – it really chronicles how crazy his dad was. So, so like one of the things that I, I, I kind of caught wind of before the thing came out, I think the day it came out, uh, his tiger's agent actually came out and basically like lambasted this thing. It got promoted on HBO. Like this was it, man, this was going to be the, the, the last dance of the tiger woods thing. Like the last dance, uh, basketball documentary. It's kind of interesting because there were some people that said that the last dance made Jordan look like an asshole, and I I just thought that was over dramatized because it made me like Jordan even more, which was hard to do. And then the Tiger thing, like the first episode, is all about like how Tiger Woods' dad basically created this machine, and then like <clears throat> everybody knows what he you know did once he you know with his wife and all that sort of stuff. But it was like super cool or, or well super interesting, I should say, to realize like his dad did some fucked up shit, you know, when he was a kid and, um, it really painted his dad in a bad light, if anybody. And I think that's probably the interesting part. I was like, you know, how, how would tiger react to this thing? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And then the things that this kid did like as a child, like how much his dad basically forced him to play golf. It had interviews with his kindergarten teacher and all this sort of stuff. Like, I mean, this dude had one, one thing going on for him and it was golf. Yeah. And you know, when I watched the documentary in the beginning, I did not finish it, but halfway through, I mean, his dad is, a. I I mean, it's uh <laughs> it's almost like he, he wanted his dad 
to love him, but to gain his dad's love, he, in a weird way, had to, the better golfer he was, the more attention he got from his dad in a way. But his dad was an absolute, you know, he's, he's a unique, um, you know, dad. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, I don't, I'm not sure the words, I don't have the words, but it is a weird circumstance and it's not normal, uh, kind of the way he was treated. I don't think anybody would say that. But yeah, the dude really reminded me of LeVar Ball, which is weird, you know, because I, I remember <clears throat> following Tiger like as he's winning and all this stuff. And he's like super close with his dad and you never see that side of it. Like, obviously, the guy's dad was was somewhat crazy to have created this like creation to begin with. But he was a Green Beret in the uh, army and like went in on like a couple tours in Vietnam where he was like behind enemy lines, like, like, like paving the way for the Marines to show up, which was kind of crazy. Um, and then, you know, but, but that's all I kept thinking about was they were describing how, you know, just over the top his dad was and, and how his dad in some way, like his, they, the coolest part was they had like this guy's friends, like Tiger's family friends, basically. And one of the things the main guy said was, uh, you know, that Earl, was a bullshitter. And like, you could tell just by hearing him talk that he was full of shit on things, but like, it was just, it's a, he was like a really interesting personality and it was just crazy how freaking weird it was for him to like say those things about, I mean, he literally thought his kid was going to be like Gandhi. And, uh, and, in some ways it was like super interesting. And in some ways it was like, it was like scary, but either way you kind of understand, you know, whether you're, whether you agree with it or not, you can kind of see how Tiger wound up kind of where he was both the good and the bad, um, as you sort of dig more introspectively into what, um, what his dad was all about. Where did you, where did you finish off in the first one? I kind of stopped, uh, where he, had won uh, the Open, and uh, he was getting interviewed and going on these things and really starting to catch a lot of fame. Um, but the one thing I will kind of piggyback off of what you said um, is, yeah, his dad is, you know, compared to Gandhi and stuff like that. But, you know, as crazy as it sounds, his dad to talk about his son like that, his dad is, I mean, Tiger is a huge uh, – figure in the golf and i'm not sure golf would be what it is today and also you can make a claim that um you know when tigers caught fame that he revolutionized the country club world too Mm -hmm. because there's not many african americans that you know were accepted and that was in a lot of country clubs and they talked about that in the documentary which was really you know interesting and also for you know kind of what we're going through now in these times some racial tension going on but you can see you know a lot of young people kind of outside the game you can see how that kind of ties in and in a way as crazy as it sounds his dad did compare him to Gandhi but you know he is like he's like a godlike figure and i hate to say i mean it's like uh you know, it's he is like a untouchable, like almost perfect thing. And when all this stuff came out, I think this is why this documentary is so appealing. Like, oh, we're about to peel back the layers of Tiger that we've never seen. And I'm going to see everything that we don't know. And I thought it was going to be like a tell-all. But no, it's kind of leading up to that. So I got to the point where he, he won the Open. He was doing a lot of interviews. He's getting interviewed by Oprah and mm-hmm. started catching a lot of fame. And you can kind of see the build up to kind of all this other stuff going on. Yeah. And really like when his dad died 
it was really, he went out, I think he won the British Open, and I think he might have won the Masters again after that. And then that's kind of when things started to sort of unravel a little bit. And that's really where the documentary sort of builds up to. And uh, and it also talks to, to like the fractured relationship between him and his dad once he finally sort of like broke free of, you know, needing his dad to you know, take care of him at a certain point, you know, he was like, Hey dude, like this uh, this is on me now. Like I got this kind of thing. And his dad always kind of want to control, you know, he was in the room with like Nike and some of this stuff. And, and at that point, you know, he was so far gone, um, you know, that, 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 you know, his opinion was, was totally irrelevant. I mean, at that point, Tiger's an adult and he's like a multi making $80 million a year on a Nike sponsorship and has just totally reinvented golf. I mean, it was so fun. Like, it, honestly, I think it's one of the better documentaries I've ever seen. I love The Last Dance, and I watched that uh, a thousand more times. But the thing that was so great about this one was it had the perfect. Well, I put it this way: Lindsay was watching it, and she was interested. Mm-hmm. Dude, she can't. Well, I was going to say she can't spell golf, but that's kind of the wrong thing I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, she certainly doesn't enjoy golf. I oh, think she's going to love that comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, this one might not ever hit the airways, but uh, yeah. So, so, so uh, it was just fascinating from um, from a human perspective. I mean, you can appre- everybody appreciates how good Tiger is at golf. What's interesting is how he got there. Uh, like what created it, and then like the last thing that happens. I'm not even going to say it, but the last part of the first one, you're like. Okay, here comes a shit show. So the second one is just going to be, yeah, it's going to rival The Bachelor. I I can already tell it's basically (laughs) going to be like a Bachelor tell-all where they all come down and sit on the couch and talk about, you know, how they wanted to claw each other's eyes out. Um, It's going to get real interesting uh, come Sunday night at nine o'clock for the second half of it. Yeah, I'm definitely tuning in, and I'm going to watch the the whole uh, first part. But the one thing I will say is, uh, you look at some of these great athletes, and they've all had, you know, a unique dynamic with their father figure. Um, you know, you could say MJ, uh, who had. Um, you know, he was really close with his dad. You look at Tom Brady, who's so close with his dad. Then you look at, um, you know, Tiger who had a unique uh, relationship with his dad. But, you know, when I look at LeBron, uh, I'm not sure his dad was really in the, I don't, I don't know. And more Shaq weren't really around, you know, but Shaq, I think his stepdad was there and like, uh, you know, and, and in golf, there was uh, Justin Thomas has a pretty famous relationship with his dad being super close. Um, yeah, it's a cool dynamic, I think, for male athletes of any level, you know, like I, my dad was super into baseball when I was a kid, you know, um, yep. he wasn't that maniacal, um, by, by any means, but, um, I'll just say it on the pot, like Lance Armstrong is a top five athlete, uh, favorite athlete of mine. And it's been like that and I've defended him, but, uh, there is like this competitive switch, where fans think that some of these athletes are really nice guys. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, this guy's not as nice as what you think. He can be sort of an asshole, but that's what makes him him. Like, you know, he's got that competitive fire in him. And don't you just like sometimes you think when you approach these guys and they have no clue who you are, they're going to be the nicest person in the world. And some of those stories can get twisted. Uh, so I'm really interested to see what people say about Tiger. I've heard I've, I've read the Hank Haney book. Um, I've, a lot of shocking things in there um, would have never thought as a guy, you know, I've heard Tiger didn't even tip. Um Damn. Yeah. And things like that. And I was like, what in the hell? Some cold blooded shit right there. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, 
back to your point with Shaq. I know you said Shaq. I think Shaq's dad was like a stepdad or something was in the military and they had mm-hmm. a close relationship, but uh, you know, Shaq's up there and his favorite athlete of all mine. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see where this documentary goes. And I don't, do you think anybody's done more for a sport than one person? I think Tiger's done more for sports than, um, than Michael Jordan did for basketball and probably Muhammad Ali, because I mean, you're, you're right about the racial thing, right? And like, that's, that's kind of the interesting dynamic in the first episode or the first you know, part of the series is that, you know, Tiger didn't really even want that. You know, you could, there was some like this, this archive footage of him, like at these, like clearly like black area golf clinics. And, and Tiger always had this perception of being like sort of, um, they said he was really smart. I mean, the guy went to Stanford and like, he was obviously an intellectual and sort of weird. I think if, if he went to, if you went to high school with this guy, you'd have been like, dude, this guy's weird. Right. Um, and, and then of course he becomes Tiger Woods and it was like, well, damn, there's a weird guy that, uh, that made it while we're sitting here doing a fucking podcast. But, um, you know, the interesting thing was is you could even see just sort of in the video that he just never really... You know, and, and, and they were they were asking him these things and like he they show these interviews from when he's like 14, 15 years old and about like, you know, being a black golfer and this sort of stuff. And he's saying the right things, but it just seems hollow, right? Like like this is just the script that his dad has basically said, Hey, this guy's gonna be this big like revolutionary figure not just in golf but in like society and i I think that's where tiger just all he really cared about was being really good at golf and um and he was and i think uh you know the interesting part to me is it again in the first episode it really chronicled it did a lot of this with jordan the interesting part in that was when like jordan's laying on the couch and the guy and he's smoking a cigar actually won like whatever the championship the guy walks in. He's like, how you doing, Michael? He's like, well, I was doing a lot better till you got here. And he was like tongue in cheek, but it was just like, dude, like these guys can't go anywhere. I mean, anywhere without probably like celebrities even that already hate that shit and understand it going up to him and be like, dude, can I have a picture? You're Tiger Woods or this, that, and the other. And it's like, I mean, you obviously understand that way better than I do, but I could not imagine on the magnitude that those types of guys have to deal with, like how you could be nice after a while. I, I couldn't imagine it either. What he goes through, um, I go through it at a very small scale, uh, not much anymore. But the one thing that um, you kind of brought up, um, which is uh, interesting, is you talk about like Tiger being so focused and then you talk about the racial thing, you know, racial kind of, dynamic in country clubs and golf it's almost like tiger was so focused on golf he didn't know that he didn't at the time knowingly do that until he was making such a difference and gaining the celebrity that then he was ready to address it which i'm really looking forward to the documentary to do that but uh it is going to be interesting the downfall where it went and how he builds himself back up um i'll be honest i'm i was kind of you know i kind of fell off the whole tiger thing because whenever um he was on all those drugs and you know, that whole fallout, it pissed me off because, uh, I felt like for some reason tiger was untouchable. And now a lot of people, he was like this godlike figure. And a lot of people didn't, you know, they, that when he went through that whole bullshit and drugs and that downfall, it's like people ignored that, but still pulled for him in golf where 
if if LeBron James did what Tiger did, I couldn't imagine the backlash, the hate that he would receive. But Tiger, for somehow his godlike figure, did not take that much of a hit from the fans. And I'm sitting here from a very far out view. I'm sure it's different in Tiger's eyes because he went through it and he probably saw all the the comments or what people said to him. But that is just uh, something I'm really looking forward to. And I've never, I kind of thought he got away with that. You know, I think that happened is I think because I think the average guy, golf is an average guy's sport. Golf is something that everybody can play. I mean, you could argue that about basketball, but when you look at Jordan, there's other great players around him. Right. And, and, and I think the gap between Jordan and whoever you want to say is second best or LeBron James today and whoever you want to say is second best or Kobe, uh, the gap between a baseball player, the gap between a football player, like there's arguments to be made about who's the best. There's just zero argument with Tiger Woods. I mean, you could argue whether Jack Nicholas was better than he was. And, and for my dude, forget it. That's the silliest argument I've ever heard. Um, and he was so much better than everybody else that I think the reason why people like Tiger better is because they just marveled at what he if you've ever fucking played golf like you who watch this stuff that this guy can still do like that's what i want to say this guy's back has been fused together like more than once i mean i literally went to the driving range the other day for the first time in like three months and like my whole upper body hurt for a week and i'm 30 i just turned 30 so tiger's like 43 now and I mean, just the shit that he can do and not, I mean, just now, but then, man, I mean, this dude was, he won three amateurs in a row. Um, He won the masters by like, I mean, just blew everybody out. He won that US Open at like 10 or 12 under par when no one else was under par. And if you've ever played golf, you just understand how fucking hard golf is. And I think people were just like so mesmerized with like, how all inspiringly good this guy was that and and I think also that that so much of what he went through as bad as it as bad of a look as it was and as bad as like he you know he's a womanizer or whatever like there was never anything that really came out that was like hey man this guy was doing illegal shit you know he wasn't like assaulting women or anything like so I think people just conveniently made it okay in their head because he never got charged like i mean yeah he got you know black but then everybody's like damn like i get it you know what i mean a lot of people ignore jordan's gambling problems and stuff a lot of people uh you know a lot of people are are uh mike tyson's another good example of people that people revered and i mean you know like it or not i mean he got convicted of rape and and people are still in in his corner um, in a lot of ways. So yeah, you bring up a really good point. I just think to me, it's like people people got over it because he was just so good at something that they could relate to being. You know, it's just if you just realize watching him, like how is it? this is not even possible? Exactly, and I agree with you. What else is not even possible is how the queen is still on the Bachelor. Um, I mean, come on. So so this is my whole deal with this is. The Bachelor is 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 so much better than the Bachelorette, but Victoria is is a, a a like a mole. She's like planted there by the by the the show to make like what happened is there's a contract that I promise you that Matt James signed that said, listen, the show has thirty girls or whatever. Well, we're gonna let you have your way, whatever you want to do with twenty nine of them, but we're bringing one in here who sets the bar for crazy for all the human race. And you can't 
kick her off until we say so. That's the only explanation. Yeah, and listen, this girl, to me, she's not attractive. I don't see what uh, uh, Matt sees in her. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's almost like a damn – like a – I don't know. I mean, apparently they start limiting the amount of drinks that you can have on this show because a few contestants, uh, you know, you guys can put the pieces together. Um, uh, but uh, I'm not a fan. I don't like her. She's not that attractive to me. But it's almost like she doesn't even want to have a connection. She's well. That, that, I think it's the other thing. I think it's the other side. Of that. I think she's she doesn't want to have a connection with reality, but she's like trying to be connected at the hip with Matt and she just is straight eviscerates all those other girls. I think she's great for the show um, in terms of like the drama and what you're going after. Cause she's like a train wreck. You just can't look away. And it's, I mean, look, I never thought I would sympathize with all these, you know, uh, uh girls that are all dramatic and all this sort of stuff. And it's kind of like, I'm roped in and like, it's me like sitting on the couch with these girls. Just like, yeah, that girl's a bitch. Um, yeah, I agree. Like she's blah, blah, blah. It's kind of funny, man. Like they make all these snide remarks and you're just like, yeah, I mean, so it'll be interesting to see like how, and then like at the end or, or the, the, this is about where I, I dropped off was when, uh, they're having their little thing, like Matt and Victoria on the couch. And she's like, he's like, yeah, I like you cause you're you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, why would you not like Tayshawn, uh, just straight called out Noah and, and Bennett, you know what I mean? And um and 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 he, he she was like he was like, uh, can I walk you out? Which I thought was funny. And she he she, she's like, Yeah, of course. And she's like, Can I have a kiss? And you can see his look all over his face was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then he kissed her, which you have uh, you know, uh, your own analysis of how how Matt kisses women, which I'm just really excited to share with Sleep Hawk Nation. Yeah, we got the picture. Uh we pulled it off some website, but uh this guy, while I was watching, we had a viewing party of like four people. Uh, mask precautions were taken. Um, but uh, I said, hey, this guy kisses with his eyes open. And now I gave you guys a clue last week. I said, listen to this guy's laugh. At what point is his laugh going to get fucking annoying? It's almost to the point where, hey, let this let this fucking queen girl take over and get rid of Matt. If he starts laughing like this constantly, I'm going to fucking jump off my balcony. And then next thing, uh, he kisses with his eyes open. I mean, good God. It's unbelievable, man. Like, how does that, that, that it's just, I, I, I'm at a loss for words and, and leaving an old sleep dog at a loss for words is, is really hard to do. It makes me more uncomfortable than when, uh, Victoria just shows up period. And it's unacceptable. Um, and you know, on the, on the previous show, we were really supporting this guy, you know, he's from the area and we we're like big, uh, you know, hometown thing. And, um, he got in the car where he lost me. I mean, just forget this guy. What's the girl's name? We're scrolling through uh, Kayla, the uh, healthcare advocate from Durham. Happens to be a Tar Heel. So that was one of the things that they were, you know, discussing. And Matt's like, oh, you got this going for you. You're smart and you're funny and you're pretty. Too bad you went to Carolina. Bro, too bad you said that because Sleep Hawk Nation was here for you. Now we're not at all. Zero. Yep. Listen, hey, Matt, um, we're still looking for game footage of a non-scrimmage that you played at Wake Forest, to be honest with you. Um, so let us help us find out uh, where's the game logs. Next question, 
Um, Bro, before you get to the next question, hold that thought because I think there's some footage of the uh, Broad Creek Bulldogs in the eighth grade. And uh, I think you might have been in coverage when old Sleep Dog shook loose and scored one of our two touchdowns of the season. Um, yeah, dude, you got to carry that shit somewhere, man. You got to realize that the University of North Carolina is the University of the People. And you can't go on trying to drag the Tar Heels on the Bachelor, bro. Like, you're such a square that not only did you not play at a bad football school, but now you can't even, like, find a woman. So you're on the Bachelor, bro. And the only reason you're on the Bachelor is because your friend was on there, dude. Like, get out of here with that bullshit, man. You're no longer invited on the podcast. Yeah, he went to Wake Forest. He needs to wake his ass up. University of National Champions over here. You couldn't dream of being as good as we are at sports. At anything. Yeah, exactly. You're looking a little light, too, there, buddy. Maybe put the Peloton down. Uh, yeah, I don't know how in the hell you played football. Uh, I don't think he did. I think that's the point. Uh, sorry, I interrupted your your thought process, but, man, I just had to let that get get out there, man. I just had to say my piece about uh, old, old Matt James dragging the heels to them. Get, get out of here. But dude. Matt did go on a, a solo date with Sarah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I like her. I mean, she's attractive. Yeah. Um, she's cool. But it seems like every girl has a tragedy in their life. Oh, and man. good God. I mean, you, they go on these solo dates. And then, uh, you know, I don't know. It's almost like who can one up the other on like a sob story. And then you see like, oh, I'm so sorry. Matt walks into the other room and he gets a bouquet and the rose. He picks a little rose up. And then all the girls are sitting there. He does it right in front of him. Like, oh, this fucking bitch getting her head. And then Matt just brings it out there and he's got this creep ass smile on his face and just slides her a rose like, like it's a fucking ring. But I think I think she did get a rose. But I will say MJ's my favorite. Yeah, MJ's great. We were talking about MJ's uh, at one point. They they got a, a unbecoming shot of MJ because you and look, that's not meant to de- to to deride anyone here because like all these girls are you know beautiful and all this sort of stuff. But like they're also you you have to wonder like how much of this is like hair and makeup and done up and all this sort of stuff to aggrandize this for TV. So it was kind of cool. You got like at one point, I remember everybody at our, you know, CDC uh, authorized watch party was like, Ooh, they caught her on a, uh, you know, it caught her on camera one time. We're like, Oh, okay. And then, but then every other time I saw her, you know, the pain all over and stuff like, okay, yeah, nah, she's solid, man. Not everybody's going to look a hundred, you know, all the time, uh, except, uh, you know, the sleep dog and, and big Hawk. But, you know, I think she's good. Uh, I still think Sarah's good. You said she passed out. I didn't see that. I was long gone. Yeah. So some girl in the rose in the rose ceremony at the end, he was getting down to a few roses left and she, I don't know if she got one or not, but she hit the deck like a, like a, like a sack of potatoes. And, uh, she was a little lightheaded, so uh, that's how the show ended. And I'm curious to see where Matt goes. Uh, if he laughs like he does again. I'm Somebody might p- say, he might finally ask them. I'm always waiting for someone to say, when they say, will you accept this rose? And they're just like, nah, this is some bullshit. I'm out of here. I would love that. Is Kit still around? Kit is around. She's okay. um, she's 21, so she can legally drink. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's still there. What about um, Kelsey? Kelsey is yeah, um I think the I think the uh who was it that needed a quarterback over um this weekend? <laughs> what team was oh it was a Washington football team. Oh, yeah. I think she was in the contention for their <laughs> quarterback spot, but old uh, uh took over uh, and uh 
really had a great game against the Bucks. <laughs> but Abigail, she uh, so I didn't see the end. Did you see the end? Do you know like any? I mean, I, I'm not afraid of spoiler alerts because let's face it, I'm not watching this shit again. But uh, <laughs> did uh, anything else happen? So this girl passed out. But is Abigail still there? That's all I really care God, about. God, I hope she is. I'm looking yeah. at her profile pic right here, and she is a nice. She's a good looker. Here's um, one thing though. We 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 caught this right. So I get that Abigail is uh, hearing impaired, as we established in the last pod that is yet to go live because I can't figure out how to post it. But at one point, she was on the couch and like Matt came in or Chris came in from the back of the room and said something and all three of them turned their heads around. And I was like, I don't know if that was supposed to happen because Abigail ain't supposed to hear that. Um, just a little note there. Just, just you know. Um, Pay attention, people. Yeah. Stay woke. Keep your head up. Uh, Taylor Heineke, 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 Heineken. Yeah, old, old Washington football team man. He was uh, not gonna stay on the foot on the playoffs too long because I mean everybody saw what they saw. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff to talk about uh, Browns and whatnot. But I'm a Washington football team fan. I knew the uh, the uh, Washington football team. It's so, so hard not to say the S word or the R word. Um, S word for short. Uh. I mean, I just thought they were going to get rocked, and man, that dude was a was an inspiration. Man, he got a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of love from a lot of places, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I was I was really thrilled with that game, but I really hope the the Washington does not. Like take that as uh, remember Matt Flynn, remember the guy that was the backup for Aaron Rodgers, and mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and he came in and played a couple of games. I think they might have gone to the playoffs, and then Seattle signed that guy like a forty or fifty million dollar <laughs> contract. And bro, I could play football right handed better than that guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it'd be a classic Washington move to like sign this dude to a to a three-year deal for uh, $345 million, and then that'd be the best game he ever has. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the playoffs were, were interesting. The Browns smoked the Steelers, which uh, Tony, if you're out there, man, I owed you a shout-out for the um, for the Steelers a long time ago, and this was not the way I envisioned giving it to you. I know you probably took that one pretty hard. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, as I discussed in the last podcast, I did not get to watch a single snap of it because... My girlfriend was tired of hearing, uh, tired of watching football all day. And then when I um, told her that she hadn't really been watching it, she was like, "Well, I'm just really tired of the background noise." <laughs> yeah, I, I watched. You know, obviously, I'm a huge NFL fan. Um, man, it, it was tough. I mean, the Steelers. Everyone thought they're the perfect team early on, and. They just fell off, and it was kind of tough because even though I'm not the biggest uh, fan of Roethlisberger, but you know I don't know what if he's going to continue what his next step is, or if it's with the Steelers. I don't know what the contract situation is, but I almost felt bad for him because it was just like he had taken so much criticism from you know whenever they started things started going south to the playoffs, and it just. It was true. All the criticism was true. They were a fake. uh, They were fool's gold in the beginning. And then they were what people thought they were at the end. And you saw him get a little teary eyed and was crying on the sidelines. And I was like, man, what's this mean? Does this mean Big Ben's done? I mean, Big Ben is like a legendary 
football player to me. He's a guy that can take all these hits. He's a guy who's won a Super Bowl or two. I'm not sure. But, you know, it's going to be different not seeing him if he's not there. Drew Brees, uh, you know, him and Brady coming up. But it's going to be different if, you know, they're saying this is Drew's last year. So it's going to be different watching these two guys go out if it's true. Yeah, and then, um, you know, you got – dude, I I don't know, man – I'm trying not to just go all in on Buffalo because they're just so much fun to watch. I think they're a fun story. Um, but I'm a Washington football team fan. I mean, getting to the playoffs, even at seven and nine, even in probably the worst division performance in the history of the National Football League, and I know other seven and nine teams have made it, but don't for one second try to convince me that those leagues were worse than the NFC East was this year. Uh, that's that's the that is peak. Washington football team right there is is about as good as it gets. You know, all we did was screw ourselves. Now we got a 19th round or the 19th pick in the first round. Uh, God only knows what we're going to do with that. But so I'm in this perennial position where when playoff time comes around, like I like football, I'm a sports guy, but I have to just like pick somebody to cheer for. And honestly, usually what I would do is pick the, I'm, I'm sad to say this out loud, but I'll just pick the Patriots cause they were good. And I was like, well, if I pick them, I got a chance to chance to watch a few more games. Um, and, uh, and Tom Brady's good, but yeah, I don't really care who wins. Um, I got a close friend that's a Browns fan, which kind of makes me not want them to win. Um, and just imagine are the, they're both in the AFC. I was going to say, what if it was the Bills and the Browns? Ooh, um, that's disgusting. I hope the I hope the Browns lose. Never been a big fan of them. I uh, just always like the shit show. Um, they're always, I mean, from the players that they've drafted, Miles Garrett, the whole thing last year, mm-hmm. uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, I will say, um, the 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 fucking Colts kicker. That was my one upset. Is uh, I thought the Colts might beat the Bills, and I almost put it on the Instagram account before the game. But the damn kicker missed a fucking field goal that probably would have sent him into overtime or not. You know, made it closer. I don't know what the final score was, but that kick changed the whole dynamic of the game. They would have been tied and had a shot. I don't think Phillip Rivers is a – I think he's aging, but, I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. He's he's won a lot of big games, but, I big mean – Big hog loves Phillip Rivers. Yeah. I, for you. I, you know, I hate that he went to state, but I love his shit talking. I love how he goes out there. He's a gunslinger. He's not scared to take a, take a risk, and I love watching that football. I'm more of a passing quarterback type of guy. I kind of like how he just slings it, and I like the fact that he wears a, a belt buckle <laughs> the size of Texas to the football games, occasionally cowboy hat. And a bolo tie. And it's just like, it's just, it fits the fucking picture. And I just, I've always been a low-key Phillip Rivers fan. And I'll, Phillip Rivers fan, and I'll take some heat for it. But I like watching that guy play football. More kids than a daycare, too, um, allegedly. Um, Anyway, (laughs) man, like, yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see whether I'm allowed to watch the Super Bowl or not. So hopefully I'm kind of cheering for, <laughs> you know, a couple teams that aren't very good. So I won't really miss anything. I'll tell you what I did do the other day, though. This is a great story. And this is this is some classic Sleephawk material. So um, went to the grocery store for something. You know, you're going to love this, dude. And I, I need dog food. And my girlfriend's with me and I was like, do you need anything? And she's like, yeah, I need some makeup wipes. And I'm like, okay, well, like, is there a certain brand or like, how do you know, how do I find the makeup wipes? And she's like, what is on the aisle where the wipes are? I was like, okay, fine. So I go in there and I grab 
the dog food. I got like a, I have a dog that just eats me out of house and home. So I got the fifty pound bag of dog food thrown on my shoulder. I'm so I can't believe my dog hasn't made any noise. She's laying right under me. I throw the fifty pound bag of dog food over my shoulder. You know, I always make a point of doing that. You know, like hey, yeah, I'm strong. And so I'm looking around and I find these wipes and and I uh, bring them with me. And um, and even my my girlfriend wasn't feeling that great either. So there was like Pedialyte right next to the wipes, and I was like. I'll grab this for you. You know, there's a couple of brownie points. So I get in the car, drop the dog food in the trunk, hop over, hand her the bag, and she starts just laughing uncontrollably. And I'm like, what? And she was like, these wipes are for my vagina. <laughs> apparently, uh, Summer's Eve is not like is apparently that there's such thing as like a wipe where like, like called feminine wipes. I was like, well, feminine wipe must mean like makeup wipe because, you know, that's what you are or feminine and you need wipes to wipe the stuff off. And, and apparently, apparently that's wrong. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I, I had no clue that they like, what, what are they wiping their vagina for? I think that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, why not use Huggies like like guys do or like toilet paper? And I wasn't real sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I really feel like this Fucking is. Fucking sex head didn't teach me shit. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of, I thought, I really thought that this conversation would honestly flow a little better. Um I didn't even mean for that to come out that way, but between you and I, but it sounds like the problem is, is we're both morons when it comes to this, but yeah. So allegedly fellas out there, summer's Eve, not makeup wipes. Apparently they're not even like baby wipes. And I don't understand like, what is the difference? Like what makes a summer's Eve wipe like dedicated to the private parts? Um, Is there something about it? that we need to know about and we need to be this from a sensitive angle why, why are you wiping uh what are you wiping i don't know um it said it was sensitive skin too man i was like man this is perfect dude. i understand sensitive skin stuff because my i get my skin um breaks out on i if i use i don't know fucking uh, weird lotion or a weird uh, soap then my skin breaks out but uh yeah, I don't know. Is it like after you piss? I mean, I don't I don't know. Well, so I'm probably on an FBI watch list because I walked out of the grocery store with a bag of dog food, a bottle of Pedialyte, and feminine wipes. Um, you know, not not the best look for me. Um, but learn. I mean, I learned not something. Not the worst look. I've seen you. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some worse looks yeah. people out there. Yeah, probably. But. Probably. Probably. But anyway, that was um Boy, that was a, that was a, a life lesson to say the least. And there was something else that I had uh, that had happened to me over the weekend that I thought was great and worth talking about, but it must have been uh, irrelevant. But um, last thing we'll jump into is national championship game last night, and and my whole thing, my whole topic on that is that Ohio State should have never been there to begin. Never with. should have never been there. It's not their fault. But listen, this is a weird year. You guys didn't play enough games to get there. Um, period. Yeah, and the thing I got is like, so they don't play, and you know this whole Notre Dame shit. But if they don't play, um, that means A and M is in there, and that means what, what what I really care less about is the national championship game and how it played out, and more about the prospect that UNC could have played Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. And I get A and M was a great team, so don't get me wrong. But there's something about playing Ohio State that would have done a lot for our program. Uh, of course, we would have wound up playing them with nobody on our team still. Um, 
but yeah, I was I was kind of bummed out when 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 I heard they made it. It was great, kind of that they kicked Jimbo uh, or whatever Dabo Sweeney's ass because I mean you're just asking for you go into a big game and you just get just fucking hand the other team some bulletin board material and then you get just smoked like that's on you, bro. Like there's no need for that uh, when you got a team as good as you got. But um, yeah, I guess part of me and it showed, man. Alabama could have scored. I mean, what did uh, Smith Devontae Smith had? 215 yards and three touchdowns. He didn't play in the second half. Yeah, I mean Alabama's too good. Um, but but well, I'll bring this back. Bring this back. One of our earlier pods, I said the NCA they got to get this COVID thing universal for all schools, so we yeah. don't have this later on down the road. I think the Big Ten came out. They're going to isolate guys for 21 days, and then we had the SEC schools. Now you're going to sit out a week or something like that. Contact trace, but the the regulations and the standard, the protocols were different from conference to conference. And, you know, I could have told you this, I called it early on. Listen, it's going to be a shit show if the NCAA handles it. And this is what it ended up being. Alabama would have beat anybody, but Ohio state shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And I think moral of the story is like, yeah, they, 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 they didn't have, like we, like we talked about earlier, they didn't have a unified plan. They did what the government does, which is just tell somebody else to handle it. Um, and, and, and it didn't work and, and it's not going to work for it. You see, you see issues with basketball. Now, um, you're going to see issues with the tournament and, you know, who knows, man, hopefully not into next football season, but you know, the craziest part is the thing that never even gets any it, football and basketball get all the attention and rightfully so. I mean, they make all the money. But there are, I mean, UNC has 28 varsity sports that are all controlled by the NCAA. And granted, you know, probably pretty easy to put the kibosh on the fencing season, right? Um, but other sports are really important for future earning potential for some of these athletes, like like soccer, uh, like baseball, and you know the the NCAA and trusting the NCAA to figure out the best way to to handle this whole thing um, is a close second to to the federal government. Um, and we could go on and on about you know, how they botched it left and right. But, you know, putting Alabama out there against Ohio State, which, you know, I just didn't, you know, I mean, it's going to do fine for your, and Ohio State won the game to get there, but I don't know, man. It just really didn't feel that. Um, they won the game, but they're also the freshest team in God. college sports. You know, they barely played any games. Uh, Clemson's over there been dealing with COVID and all these injuries. And, you know, the guys weren't fresh. Ohio State, I mean, they – they didn't play enough games, and if you play a, a full season of college football, you're going to guys who have bangs, bruises, and that's part of the, like the sport is playing through that stuff, working through injuries. They didn't see that, and they didn't have the resume uh, that a lot of teams had. Um, you know, if you play more games, you're going to lose more games, and so playing good for that short period, you know, that was beneficial to them. I think if other teams had the opportunity to do that, looking back at it, they might have set out some games. Uh, so they'd have a better record, uh, but they didn't. They went out there and played. Um, but, um, you know, obviously I disagree with Ohio State being there. But, um, yeah, that's just my thought. 
Well, I'm going to make that. We're going to move on to the next topic, and I'm going to go ahead and make the call because I saw today that the way the ESPN's way too early top 25 next year. The Tar Heels are sitting fat at number seven because we got the Heisman Trophy winner on our team, and Sam Howe. Uh, I know we lost about every damn other about every other player on our team, but we already got a transfer running back in from Tennessee today. I mean, we're going to start, dude. We're on the map. Like people want to play for Mac Brown. They want to play at UNC, and if we can only get people at the fucking game next year um i think you're gonna see unc have the best season they've ever had and i'm looking forward to it what i'm not really looking forward to to be 100 percent honest with you is uh cutting this podcast short because the tar heels come on in 10 minutes and i'm not really sure that i'm ready for the stress the level of stress that i'm gonna have to entail with them playing syracuse what's your uh What's your uh, you know projection on the the outcome tonight, Big Hawk? Before we get out of here, all right. Tonight, uh, Tar Heels win by seven. I think Dayron Sharp continues to play well. I think Playtech comes in off the bench, gives us a lot of energy, and I think we're going to see an unknown like R.J. Davis, a young guy, step up, hit a lot of shots from the outside. Syracuse is a set zone defense historically, Bayham style, one of the most boring styles in all of basketball. UNC runs them fast break style, runs them out of the gym, wins by seven. Um, player of the game uh, I'll say R.J. Davis with 18 uh, somewhere around 7 assists and 5 rebounds Sleep Hawk Nation Tar Heel Nation you heard it here first Tar Heels might as well not even watch the game they're going to win by 7 somewhere someplace on some cloud high high above the earth looking down Sheed the Prez has a pick that you know is probably going through his brain and we're going to try to find that guy APB Sheed the Prez aka Mastermind aka miss every pick you ever pick except one and that's the last video you ever put out there where are you buddy we need you Sleep Hog Nation's looking for you uh, we care about you and we hope to see you soon we hope to hear uh, see all y'all soon again um, on the next you know, whatever this is episode of Sleep Hog Worldwide we appreciate you listening. Stay safe. Stay safe.